This is Learning Innovation, the teaching and learning podcast, also known as LittlePod. We are created by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation, located in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. In the spirit of equity, diversity and inclusion, and Nitsitapi Simstan, or real thinking, we play host to a spectrum of guests from the teaching and learning community. As we highlight and explore innovation in education, we hope to kindle warm conversations, expand perspectives, and foster lasting partnerships today, tomorrow, and beyond. The future of learning starts now. Okay, and welcome to episode number 32 of The Little Pod. Today's guest is Lowell Yellowhorn, Curriculum Advisor and Manager at Lethbridge College's Indigenous Services. We're going to be talking about global citizenship, one of the college's seven student core competencies, and how post-secondary education is seen by some elders and Indigenous leaders as the new buffalo. Welcome, Lowell. Thank you very much, Donna. It's my honour to be here today and share with our wonderful community here that listen to the little pot. All right. So let's open this up with our definition of global citizenship. Global citizenship involves actively engaging with a variety of cultural, environmental, political and economic systems. It includes acknowledging Indigenous and global perspectives when taking action on local or global issues. In our representation of this competency, we use a buffalo, the image of a buffalo. So Lowell, is there significance here in using the buffalo to represent global citizenship? I like the use of the buffalo for global citizenship because it gives a cultural representation of of the traditional territory of the Blackfoot community and, and territory as well. But it it's also representative of so many other tribes in, in North America. And, you know, when I talk about tribes, I'm talking about the Sioux Nation, the Cree, the Plains Cree, the Soto, the um, Paiutes, the, the Kootenai. So there's a real intertribal relationship in North America that, that rely on the buffalo to sustain each one of those distinct nations culturally as well as socially and economically. What did the buffalo mean to Blackfoot people? Well, the, you know, going back to one of our creation stories in Blackfoot culture, we, um, we were given, um, well, actually, buffalo used to hunt the Blackfoot people. And so the old man, Nopi, kind of noticed that, that it wasn't right that, all his friends that he created from the clay were being were being eaten by the buffalo, and he he didn't like that, so he went and changed um, um, the human beings. There at first he created them; they they were kind of like snakes, and they didn't we didn't have arms, and and we were getting killed by these buffalo, and he noticed that, and he changed it to give us arms. And then we were able to protect ourselves from the buffalo and, and essentially hunt the buffalo. But as a result of that happening, you know, the buffalo 
sustained the Blackfoot people since time immemorial. You know, we developed a very um, symbiotic relationship with, with the buffalo that gave us food, for one, and that's, you know, one of the most important things, you know, when we look at, you know, this is going to be a real deep discussion because I'm going to get into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And when we start talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, one of the, the basic needs that sits at, as a foundational pillar at the bottom is food. And, you know, when, when, when Maslow came to live with and, and, and study the Blackfoot people in 1938, he he took notice that, you know, the Blackfoot people had a real interesting relationship with, with the buffalo. And, you know, when we, when we start talking about why it's important when it comes to governance structures, well, you know, the buffalo, they have um, a real interesting sense of, like, natural law. You know, there's, there's, a, there's always a leader within the, the herd that naturally arises and the rest of the herd will just follow that animal who, who um, gains that, that characteristic. And it's almost simpler with, 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 you know, the Blackfoot people, you know, we, we have a natural evolution of leadership and, and we almost believe it's like hereditary and, and something that um, is, uh, you know, genetically passed down so you know within my family you know the Yellowhorn family when we start looking in, at, at the Pikani nation you know we look at um, it's long list line of leaderships um, 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 that have served hereditarily you know in the traditional form of the governance structure of the Blackfoot people as well as the uh, elected structure through the Indian Act. So, you know, both are very highly regarded. And when you look at the Yellowhorn family, you know, our, our lineage can be traced back to uh, the signing of the treaty. So our, our direct lineage is actually um, attributed to uh, Red Crow. So Red Crow is one of the signatory um, um, figures of, of Treaty 7 in 1877. And so our great-grandma, um, great-great-grandma in, in the Yellowhorn clan was Red Crow's sister. And so when we start to think about that um, relationship of uh, leadership amongst um, families within the Blackfoot Confederacy, every, every family and clan within the Blackfoot Confederacy has that leadership lineage that they can trace back. And, and you know, so it's almost in the same sense as a royal family in, in you know, Western culture. So that's, that's highly, highly touted. And then, you know, when we look at the, the leadership um, histories of, of the Yellowhorn family, in, in, in Bikani, you know, the last 
hereditary chief, one of the last hereditary chiefs for the Picani people was John Yellowhorn. So that's another direct descendant for me that, you know, I can, I can um, draw on in terms of uh, recognizing the leadership values. So that's attributed to the Buffalo's um, understanding of leadership as well. So, so that's, that's one of the, the examples that the, that the Buffalo provided for us. Then you have the food element, you know, we, we were very important. Uh, this time of year was very important when it came to harvesting buffalo because, you know, this, we started using the, the pounds and the, the buffalo jumps to um, stampede and, and, and essentially mass harvest buffalo to, to sustain the Blackfoot people during the winter. And then, you know, the hides, you know, like, I heard the, f- the figure that there was 19 buffalo hides that were needed to make one teepee. And so that's the food, shelter, and then the cultural piece, you know, there, you know, there was tools, the fur was needed in ceremonies. We even utilized the, the, the dung of the animal in, in, in some of our ceremonies. And also, you know, like, I mean, we, the dung was always readily available because there's so much buffalo on the prairie. So we were utilizing the dung as like a ignition source for fires because we would, um, it would smolder very slow and, and, and we were able to uh, um, carry around our fire like a, you know, like a, a lighter source for, for our people. And, and so that's, I, I, I really love the fact that global citizenship represents the buffalo. That, that's amazing, all of the aspects of the buffalo that, that are interwoven um, with Indigenous people and with the Blackfoot. How does, um, how does the buffalo connect to education and to the sharing of knowledge? Well, you know, when we look at the buffalo's connection to education and sharing of knowledge, we have to look at what an education provides for us. You know, it provides us with a career. Um, and, you know, nowadays the, the economy's shifted to the point where we, you know, go clock in for work and we get a paycheck every two weeks. And so, and an education is going to help you. And here at Lethbridge College, you know, we've, we, we've, uh, shared with our recruiters that, you know, you're going to net probably a half a million dollars more in life with a diploma from Lethbridge College than you would with a um, high school diploma. And so that's very a very well-proven fact that education will get you more um, um, in terms of uh, money. Um, but, you know, so we look at all the aspects money can do for us, housing, food, and so that relationship I just described about the buffalo, when we talk about the buffalo being able to provide for us, that's, that's kind of the relationship there is that that education is representative of the buffalo, what the buffalo formerly um, provided for our people and, uh, and everybody else. I mean, the buffalo provided a lot of, uh, well, it sustained a lot of, a lot of people who were who were in need of it, you know, there were so many of them. 
the SUNCOR competencies are represented by animals and bugs and birds and um, various things found in nature um, in this part of the world, and they represent each of the seven student core competencies. What was the motivation for um, overlaying each of the competencies with something found locally within the natural environment? Well, you know, in the, the simplest sense, everything's interconnected and everything has a role to play in the territory. We had um, pretty symbolic relationships with um, insects as well as animals. And so, you know, we, we you know, one of, one of the, you know, important animals on there is the beaver. And, you know, what, what the the beaver means to the Blackfoot people. You know, we had, we had the beaver taught us um, important lessons in our life, and you know, for that we don't we we never as a tribe hunted the beaver because we had that a distinct relationship with them. Um, the crow or the raven is also depicted, and there's another important animal. You know, they, that's involved with a, a natural treaty that we have with the environment. And so, you know, these, these creation stories that are important to Blackfoot people, you know, they, they're foundational elements when it comes to our education structure and our education system. We um, had those... Uh, integral relationships with the environment that were important for our um, worldview being brought into education. And, and they still continue to hold value when, when we, when we um, look at um, educational um, um, tools. You know, one of the th important things when we make these these relationships is, and identify these relationships is, you know, you look at the wording in some of the treaties and, you know, when you look at, there's no expiration date. The expiration date is written as such, like, until the, uh, as long as the grass grows, the rivers flow, and the sun shines. And those, there, there's no expiration date to those types of um, understandings, but you know, f for the black for people to incorporate those types of elements into the treaty process, it just speaks to their relationship and understanding and education with the natural world. And and that's a wonderful connection with those. You know, you can you can feel it through those student core competency images. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were really chosen very carefully and, and um, you know, a lot of uh, great feedback from community members on that. Yes, they were beautifully done. You know, like, I mean, I want to um, acknowledge that, you know, the CTLI team, uh, former manager of Indigenous Services, Shanda Weber, and former Indigenous uh, Services coordinator, Marcia Blackwater, also had a role to play with the core competencies, as well as our cultural support program grandparents, Peter, 
Weasel Mox and Betty Ann Little Walt, they were both integral um, parts of uh, bringing that project to life. So, Yes, thank you for their contributions. That was very important. Um, how do you see students demonstrating global citizenship? Number one, you know, like, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, resetting your mind um, and really learning to see the world through a lot of different lenses. We often get caught up in, in innuendos and, and, and things and, and beliefs that aren't necessarily backed up by facts. And so I think when you come to post-secondary, that's where that reset needs to take place, especially at a post-secondary institute like Lethbridge College. You know, we're, we are champions in reconciliation. And, and what does that mean? You know, like we're, we're, we're having truthful conversations that are shaping our uh, learning processes for our students. And so, you know, I always share with our, our community here on campus, you know, like we're a frontline institution here at Lethbridge College. A lot of our careers for our students past Lethbridge College, when they go out and get a job, they're going to go out and work in fields that are high, that have high interaction rates with Indigenous communities. Because it doesn't matter where you go in North America, you're going to interact with an Indigenous community. And you look at Lethbridge College, well, we have one of the largest communities, Indigenous communities, located right next door, across the river. And we need to remain accountable to those communities because they're our partners. And as well, there's a long-standing post-secondary tradition in those communities that stems from Lethbridge College. So we've got a lot of graduates and a lot of alumni from those communities. And we have to respect those ideas and the, 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 the cultural perspectives that come from that community. So when, when we sit there and look at like justice and, and the amount of graduates that are coming from the criminal justice program, well, we have to also take into account, you know, indigenous people are the highest represented demographic in the prisons but we're the smallest population demographically in Canada. So that goes to say that there's a systemic issue within that uh, career area, and we need to address those types of um, um, challenges that are, are present. And I'm not just picking on, on, on criminal justice. That one was just the one that kind of popped up right away. It always pops up because, you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of people in the prisons and, and they, they happen to be indigenous. And so we need to look at what's going on systemically. And then, you know, we look at, you know, post-second, you know, graduation rates, high school graduation rates are the lowest amongst First Nations and Indigenous people across Canada. Um, chronic disease, you know, Indigenous people leading those 
um, health factors. So, you know, that's three programs that are important to Lethbridge College. You know, we have our early childhood education program, as well as um, our, you know, um, human services program. We have um, all these these important um, programs with lots of students and lots of graduates coming out every year. And, you know, we need to be able to prepare our students um, to, that they're going to be a part of the solution, not, not, not a part of the problem. And so, you know, that comes with our job at Indigenous Services. You know, we're, we're building that cultural awareness piece supported by our wonderful CTLI team. You know, I want to always um, give our, our, our colleagues from CTLI a, a shout out because, I mean, they're the ones doing a lot of the, the curriculum development and ensuring that those um, learning outcomes are being met with uh, Indigenous perspective in mind. Well, and what you've mentioned really demonstrates, you know, the, the value and importance of global citizenship. Yeah, there's a responsibility for all, you know, like, I mean, you know, when I talk about, you know, governance, you know, Indigenous people are always going to refer back to the treaties because, you know, for one, the treaties signify, you know, Indigenous peoples' inherent rights as nations. But, you know, Indigenous people aren't the only ones with responsibility to those treaties. It's the, you know, non-Indigenous community that also has a responsibility to uphold those treaties as well. They're treaty people as well. So we're not trying to um, isolate ourselves. You know, we're, we're trying to promote that everybody's got some responsibility and that fits right in with global citizenship. Yeah, exactly. That's a great message. Lowell, are there some ways that we can, everyone can choose to practice global citizenship? Well, you know, relating back to, you know, the community here at Lethbridge College, I want to, you know, just put on everybody's radar that on November the 15th, Lethbridge College will be recognized in Rock Your Mocks. And it's an annual event that we um, share Indigenous culture. And, and we recognize the unique value of the moccasin to Indigenous culture. So if we look at all the tribes in North America, they all have a unique, recognizable moccasin style that's unique to each tribe. And so each tribe, it, it, it's an important um, identifying mechanism amongst the tribes. But, you know, it's also a fun way to um, support Indigenous people as an ally. And, you know, you look at the moccasin industry, you know, Manitoba Mucklucks is a, is a commercial outfit that's, you know, driven by Indigenous people, and, 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 but they're fairly world-renowned. And so it's a fashion um, icon that's, that's really arisen in the last few years. That, and it's a, and, and I, I look at you know moccasins as a relatively safe way to um, 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 promote indigenous culture in a good way. 
and and you know we we at the college at Indigenous Services we put on mocks and making workshops for our community here, um, and and just kind of show to our staff and our our other community members here on campus how um, those those important values that are taught when when you're when you're making moccasins that's when you know when when families are sitting down they're all sewing together they're sharing stories they're sharing the teachings they're sharing the important values associated with um, those uh, those types of items that are crafted because there's stories behind them and then you're getting those those important um, elements to style the designs that are used so that's kind of the importance we share with it because you know when we, it goes back to you know um, you know the government really hit indigenous communities with that those assimilation policies and that was the first thing to go was you know the gatherings you couldn't gather in a group of people you couldn't uh, share those types of stories you couldn't even wear moccasins and so as indigenous communities you know began to um, become more self-aware and and build upon their identities we were able to um, save those types of ideas and, and, and continue to pass down those traditions and customs for our children to learn and but so that's what we're celebrating is just that rich history of, of the different indigenous communities that are out there. I'm really excited about it and looking forward to it because I have moccasins to wear this year, thanks to you. Um, they're not quite finished, but they will definitely be finished by then. They're looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really loved learning how to make them. It really was um, it really was very. Um, it was a great way to connect um, through, you know, through learning how to make them and so and the gathering of, of the people that got together to make them. What are some of the events that will be happening on November 15th? Well, primarily it's a community-focused event that is going to be social media driven. So we'll be having online um, social media contests for our um, our students. You know, we're, we're aiming this one towards the students because, you know, when we stop and think about it like a probably everybody at the college has somebody in their family that owns a set of moccasins. And so, and the one thing about it is each one of those sets of moccasins has a story to tell. And so we want to recognize um, our community, um, community's efforts and involvement. So we want to have a social media contest so that people will be tagging, you know, a certain hashtag out there for our students to uh, tag their, their moccasins and 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 share with the Lethbridge College community so that people can follow and, and participate in the, the online activities. But we're just asking people to wear their moccasins. We're just keeping it short and simple and straight to the point this this round. Oh, that's great. That'll be a lot of fun. And that's great too for both our our face-to-face students, but also for our distance students. They mm-hmm. can participate just as well. Yes. So you might get some interesting moccasins. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We always, we always do. Yeah, that must be fun to see the the variety of of moccasins. Yeah, we we usually try to limit it just to one 
social media outlet. So uh, I think the past years we we we've just been using Instagram for the Lethbridge College um, um, for the contest, and 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 but we you know ta- used the specific hashtag. Seems like everybody's got Instagram nowadays now. Yeah, true enough. Well, thank you so much, Lowell. It's been great talking to you. And um, thank you for telling about Rock Your Mocks and and the connection of the Buffalo to education. Um, That's a great way for students, you know, they can watch for that coming up on Instagram and, and, you know, work on their global citizenship. Um, So thank you very much for sharing all of your knowledge and uh, your ideas today. Thank you guys very much. I always appreciate coming to uh, work and share with uh, yourselves and the CTLI team. So thank you. This episode featured Donna McLaughlin as host and Lowell Yellowhorn as guest. Jordana Gagnon was our producer. Ryan Robinson was our sound technician and editor. Thank you also to Daryl Benebeck, Joel Godry, Kelsey Jansen, and Jamin Heller for their ongoing support and expertise. Our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation and recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more information and inspiration, check out learninginnovation.ca. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and follow us on your chosen platform. Thanks for listening and take care. Mm -hmm.